0: Okay so we are looking at the theme tonight of hope and healing for the holidays um for a lot of people this is a really like exciting type of year right it's the christmas it's the presents it's the santa it's the jesus right it's every all the great things but for some people this is not a good season right this is this can be a very difficult time for a lot of people i mean even this week i heard someone say You know, don't don't tell me Merry Christmas. I don't want to hear any of the Christmas songs. You know, I I, I don't really want to hear it um, just because there's nothing good about this time. There's nothing good about this season. And it's a difficult time. So what I want to do is give you probably more information than you are going to be able to (laughs) handle. I'm going to work to send out a a nice document after this um, to Nicole, to Jordan Holder so that they can pass it along to anybody who needs it along with the recording of today's session. So here's gonna be our agenda. Um, We're gonna talk about, again, more information than probably that you bargained for, but we're going to uh, be nice and thorough. Grief defined, we're gonna talk about what grief looks like. We're gonna take a step and talk about what grief looks like during the holidays. We're gonna take a step and talk about the stages of grief how to overcome grief, and then how to support someone who is going through grief. And, so, and then after that, um, with whatever time that we have, we can do some Q&A, if you'd like. Okay? So grief defined. Grief is a complex and individual experience that can manifest in various ways, both emotionally and physically. It is a natural response to loss, and people may exhibit a range of, of reactions. Keep in mind that everyone grieves differently and there is no right or wrong way to grieve as many of you know um um, i'm a therapist and i work with people on all levels of the spectrum i work with adjustment just adjusting to life i work with people with anxiety and depression um but even all the way up to bipolar psychotic features schizophrenia spectrum um all of that different stuff Um, And I would say out of all the things, couples, counseling, everything, I would say that grief is the most difficult. Um, And we're going to talk about why here in a little bit. But the biggest thing about it is just like what it says here in our definition is that everyone grieves differently. And when we get to the part where we start talking about the steps, um, we're going to spend a little bit more time like that. So grief can manifest itself um, in many ways. And I want to spend some time now talking about what grief looks like uh, from six different perspectives. The first one is the emotional perspective. What grief looks like from an emotional standpoint. Um, Some of the major themes that you'll find from emotional response to grief is sadness. Feeling a deep sense of sorrow and sadness is a common emotional response to grief. And it's, it's important to realize that we look at grief sometimes and think that it's interchangeable with sadness, but that might not exactly be the case. Grief will be the cause for sadness. Remember, the definition is a complex individual experience that can manifest in various ways, both emotionally and physically. A natural response um, that people exhibit um, due to loss and that there's no right way to do it. Not only sadness, but anger. Anger, uh, grief can also evoke feelings of anger, whether directed at oneself, others, or the situation. And then guilt. Some individuals may experience guilt or regret about things left unsaid or undone. Think about how many times maybe we've even been to funerals, especially the ones close to us, and we'll think, I wish I had more time or I wish that I would have done this. I've heard people say I'm in the counseling office that we had a fight this morning and I didn't even say I love you when we left. And and now I can't ever say it again. And a lot of times these emotional responses, the sadness, the anger, the guilt, um, a lot of and these are just some of the major ones. But of course, every emotion um, is fair game, can be fair game. So what you usually will see first and foremost when someone is battling grief is the emotional response. Now we're going to talk about the physical response. What does grief look like physically? If you've been a part of anything that I've ever done... You have heard me say that we are multifaceted beings. We are mental, we are emotional, we are physical, we are physiological, and we're spiritual or existential, which means that we are all interconnected. And I don't think we give enough attention to the physiological responses that we exhibit from grief. So sadness and anger and guilt may begin to manifest physically like fatigue. Grieving individuals often report feelings, feeling physically exhausted. Being mentally and emotionally exhausted is worse than being physically exhausted because being mentally and emotionally exhausted will make you also physically exhausted. You ever thought about doing a task, and just a thought of doing the task just was like, I don't even have the energy, right? You're mentally, you are sapped, and it sapped all the physical strength that you had. So you'll you'll often hear people say, you say, hey, how are you doing? And you'll hear someone say, I'm tired. I'm just tired. Right. Changes in appetite. Some people may experience a loss of appetite while others may engage in emotional eating. Eating is something that people do a lot to cope with their feelings. And another big one is going to be the sleep disturbances. Grief can affect sleep patterns uh, leading to difficulties, uh, falling asleep or staying asleep. OK, so. We're looking at, again, from a multifaceted standpoint, the emotional response, the physical response, and now we're going to look at the cognitive response. Mentally, what does grief look like mentally? It looks like difficulty concentrating. Grief can make it challenging to focus on tasks or concentrate on daily activities. I've heard someone say uh, before in, uh, in grief counseling, they said, I don't even know how I got through my day. I don't even know how I made it home. All I know is that I got in the car and I turned on the ignition and I ended up at my driveway and I don't even know how I got there. And it's easy to just become spaced out and have a difficulty focusing in and being present. Forgetfulness. Some people may experience temporary memory lapses or forgetfulness. And that's that that brain overloading with all of the things that is going on. And even a big part, and you might even be able to uh, put this into the emotional response as well, but a sense of numbness. There might be periods of emotional numbness or detachment. I just don't feel anything. I'm just here. What do you feel? I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kind of going through the motions, right? Doing what I'm supposed to do. The difficult part about navigating grief is that time doesn't stop for you. Right? The kids still need to get to school. You still have to go to work. You still have bills to pay. You still have responsibilities. And life doesn't usually give you a whole lot of time. Shoot, most employers only give you like what? <laughs> a, a, a few days, right? Before they expect you back at work. Um, and, and so it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in recognizing that sometimes they won't even, people won't have the, the time that they need to process uh, their feelings. And that can cause. Some of those feelings of numbness. And numbness can also come from just feeling so much. I've spent so much time crying. I've spent so much time grieving. I've spent so much time being angry uh, during this time. I've felt so much time. It's drawn so much on me. I just don't have anything left. I don't have any tears left. My tear ducts are swollen because I've cried so much. Um, Sometimes we can just be emotioned out. So we looked at the emotional response, the physical response, The cognitive response, the behavioral response, and well, now as the behavioral response, excuse me. What does it look like? So the first three are what's happening intrapersonally, right? These are the internal things, the emotional feelings, the physical feelings, um, the mental feelings. But of course, what begins to happen, what's happening on the inside begins to start to manifest on the outside. And that looks like things like withdrawal. Grieving individuals may withdraw from social activities and isolate themselves. There are several times where I've worked with people who are grieving and I'll ask them, how is your social support? Um, I'll tell people in counseling and all of my groups, I'll say if there's one thing that I really believe outside of Jesus, right? That um, if there's one thing that I really believe is something that can really rival therapy, who knows the answer? Do you remember the answer? It's Relationships. Having good, strong relationships, having a good, strong social support can be just as strong as going to therapy, I believe. And what happens is we begin to withdraw ourselves. Whenever we do our, our biocycle cycle assessment uh, for clients, we always ask the question, how's your social support? Are you withdrawing from your social support? And we might say, I just need time to myself. I, I'm not ready to be around people yet. I'm not ready to engage in activities yet. But that's a, that's a telltale sign that we're going through grief. The next part is uh, a piggybacking off of that, and that's seeking solitude. On the other hand, some people may seek solitude as a way to process their emotions. So uh, taking the time that you need for yourself isn't a bad thing, right? Uh, but it's going to be important for us to re- recognize there's a difference between getting alone to work through it and isolating ourselves from the people that we need to be around in order for us to get back to um, a stronger space. Right. Where two or three are gathered. He's right there in the midst. Right. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, There there's power um, and, and numbers and being able to be be together. Changes in routine. Grief can disrupt daily routines and habits. I'm not sure about you guys, but going to the gym can be really hard. And then you get in there and you get into a good rhythm. You're getting up and you're walking every morning. You're working out. You know, you're drinking your water. And all it takes is for you to miss it one day and then I'll see you in three years before I get back to the gym again, right? Um, grief can also act in that very same way where it disrupts that pattern. And it can be very difficult to feel like you're getting back on track. And what can end up happening is feeling like you're constantly behind. I'm constantly behind. And I don't want to do that. Um, There's a big part in not only looking at um, emotional response to grief, physical response to grief, cognitive or mental response to grief, Behavioral response to grief. And next is going to be our spiritual or existential response to grief. And the biggest part of this is that question, why? Why? We hear that all the time with our individuals who are grieving. You know, I I remember talking to someone before and um, his mother passed away relatively young, I think in her um, her mid-50s. And he'll say, why? he said, why would God uh, take my mom? She's, she's devoted to the church. Uh, she loves serving. Um, she's a great lady. She's kind. She takes care of others. She's a very selfless person. Why would God do this? If God was good, he would not insert whatever, right? And what I want to say is, Grieving individuals may question the meaning of life or the nature of existence or even their spiritual beliefs. And what I want to say in this moment is if this is you or you know someone that this is happening, that it's okay. That it's okay. I think sometimes we don't realize that if you even if you you read the Psalms, you'll see David saying, God, where were you? Why would you allow this thing to happen? My enemies are ever before me. Aren't you going to defend me? Aren't you going to tear them down? And going to God and saying, God, I'm really angry at you right now is okay. Of course, to- of course tone is important. And of course, uh, the way that we engage is important. But being in that place where we are struggling with our faith or our, our connectivity to God is a normal part of the grieving process. Give yourself time to work through it. And then the biggest, one of the biggest things is that uh, grief doesn't have a timeline. Grief doesn't have a timeline. And I think that is also why grief is one of the most difficult things to counsel. Um, is because I think we want to say, well, I want to give it five minutes. I want to give it ten minutes. I want to give it five days. I want to give it ten weeks. And that's all that it's going to get, but it's hard to just turn your emotions off. Many people may experience grief differently and there is no predetermined time frame for healing. I wish I could sit across my, um, the, the, the desk from someone and say, hey, in one month you'll be healed. In three months you'll be healed. In a year you'll be healed. And, and the truth of the matter is that we can't, we can't ensure that. We can't ensure, especially it depends on what happened, who it happened to, the level of degree of the relationship. All of those things factor into how we experience and work through grief but it's a personal journey and it varies for everyone. And so if you hear nothing else that I say, I want you to hear this, be patient with yourself. Be patient with you as you navigate this journey. And I tell people this in in grief counseling all the time, is that the best way to navigate through grief is to just let yourself navigate through grief. We want to rush it, and rushing it is only going to prolong it, right? Why? Because rushing it means that we're not giving ourselves time to process, we're not giving ourselves time to feel, we're not giving ourselves time to work through how we're feeling. And sometimes we'll say, well, I don't want to be sad, I don't want to be angry, I don't want to be enraged, I don't want to be whatever the emotions that we're feeling, and that's okay. But... The more that we just store that and internalize those feelings, the more, the longer it's going to take for us to work through it. And yes, you'll get back to routine again. Yes, you'll get back to engaging in life again. But it'll still be back there. And it'll show up in your idle moments. It'll show up in your dreams. It'll show up. And we don't want it to deal with us. We need to be able to deal with it. Because if we deal with it, then we have a say. If it deals with us, we don't have one. Okay. So when we look at what grief looks like on a base model, um, there's an emotional response, there's physical responses, there's cognitive responses, there's behavioral responses, spiritual responses. And so all that you can see from this, just the first 15 minutes of the presentation, you can see that grief is multifaceted. And you may experience one of these things. You may experience one of these things at one part and then experience it at another part. Or you may experience all five of these components at the same time. But you got to give yourself some grace. So that brings us to the next part. And that's talking about grief during the holidays. Um, Because if there's something that's going to exacerbate the problem of navigating grief, it's going to be those times of celebration. It's going to be those times where everyone's happy and and joyous and uh, we see other families getting together and all of these different components That it can be difficult. So I want to spend some time talking about what, what some different components of this may look like during the holidays. Grieving during the holidays can be especially challenging as these times are often associated with joy, celebration, and togetherness. The contrast between the festive atmosphere and the emotional pain of loss can intensify the grieving process. As I mentioned before, there are people that I met with this week who are loathing the season, don't want to leave the house. People who I know who listen to ninety-five one all the time don't want to turn on the radio because they don't want to hear another song. This, this, this season can be dreadful for a lot of people. And so what are some things that can help or that we should look out for during the Christmas season, during the holidays, Thanksgiving, whatever, um, that we need to be mindful of? So here's a, little, here's a list. Grieving during the holidays, some things that can make it worse. Um, you'll watch out for intensified emotions. Intensified emotions, grieving individuals may experience heightened emotions during the holidays, feeling the absence of their loved ones more profoundly. Yes, I miss you every day, but especially when we're in this season, when everyone's kind of, again, together and everyone's just uh, connecting and you reminisce on all the times that you've had uh, together, it can make those feelings worse. Second, an an increased sense of loss. The holiday season can serve as a reminder of past celebrations, what I was just mentioning. And the traditions shared with the person who is no longer present, accentuating the the sense of loss. So not only are we feeling these intense emotions because they're gone, but we're also thinking about this is what we used to do. This is what we used to have. This is what it used to be like. And that hurts. Watch out for social withdrawal. Some people may choose to withdraw from social gatherings or holiday events as the festive atmosphere may be too overwhelming or painful. I can't be here. I can't be here at this event watching everybody do all of the things that I wish that I was doing, that we used to do, and I, I can't be it. I can't be here. can't do it. Nostalgia and reminiscing. Grieving individuals may engage in nostalgic thoughts and reminisce about past holidays spent with the person they've lost. Okay, so you can see even through just the first four of these that they're all just intermingled, interconnected. It can be tough. Struggling with traditions. Traditional holiday activities and rituals may become difficult for those in, uh, in grief, as they may associate these activities with their loved ones, or even trying to maintain the same kind of things that you were doing uh, beforehand. Maybe you used to, you guys used to get together and decorate the tree, or there was all you guys put the stockings up for everybody and put their stockings together, and uh, eating cookies and watching the Grinch. Whatever it is that you're doing, it may be difficult to. Engage in the traditions that you have with your family, uh, knowing that there are loved ones who are missing. Conflict of emotions. There might be a conflict between the desire to to participate in holiday celebrations and the emotional struggle to find joy in the midst of grief. That dichotomy is tough because on one hand, you still have all the people who are still left here with you that are trying to enjoy this. And you're like, yes, I do love this. I do want to see the people around me experience joy and see uh, everybody else who has also experienced this loss with me enjoy it. But at the same time, my heart is ripping in half. (laughs) And so it's hard to be able to find that balance. Watch out for difficulty in finding meaning. The holidays can carry a sense of meaning and purpose. Grieving individuals may grapple with finding meaning or a reason to celebrate during this time. Watch out for support needs. Grieving individuals may need additional support and acknowledging or support and understanding from friends and family during the holiday season. Acknowledging their grief and being sensitive to their needs is crucial. We'll come back to that toward the end. Creating new traditions. Some people in grief may choose to create new traditions or modify the existing ones to honor the memory of the loved one or to try to move away from it so that they don't have to engage with the feelings that they had while they were in those circumstances. And self-care. Taking care of oneself is crucial during the holidays. Grieving individuals may need to prioritize self-care, allowing themselves the time and space to grieve while also finding moments of joy and relaxation. If there's one thing that's gonna happen, it's just gonna be an increased feelings of stress during this time. And one of the best ways to combat acute stress is by increasing your self-care. What I wanna do now is I wanna take some time and just talk through the stages of grief, okay? The stages of grief. You may be familiar with these, you may not, but I wanna go, I wanna go through them quickly, uh, but then I, there's an important note that I wanna make on them. Um, it's important to note uh, that these stages are not universally experienced and people may not go through them in a linear fashion. That is the biggest component about the stages of grief. It's the biggest misconception and it's going to create a lot of misunderstandings if you don't get this. We look at these and you'll see step one, step two, step three, step four and step five, but they do not work in a linear fashion. They do not work. I need you to engrave that in your mind. They don't work in a linear fashion. They don't work in tandem. They work in conjunction. When something works in tandem, it means it comes one after another. And grief does not work that way. I'm going to tell you why in a second. They're they're, They're more accurately described as a framework to understand some common emotional responses. So here are the stages. The first one is denial. In the initial stage, individuals may have difficulty accepting the reality of the loss. They may exhibit shock or numbness and a sense of disbelief as a way to protect themselves from the full impact of their loss. Anger. As the reality of the loss sets in, people may experience anger. This anger can be directed at themselves or others, the situation, or even the person who has passed away. It's, natural, it's a natural part of the grieving process. And I've seen this play out in a lot of ways. And what's interesting is that sometimes people may, again, they don't work in tandem, they're not in a linear fashion. And so that's why um, funerals make me nervous, (laughs) right? And the reason why they make me nervous is because anything goes. Uh, The passing of a loved one can draw families together or it can tear families apart. And so you'll see, you'll sit here, and, and, and I've been a part of some different services where everything was fine and everything went, went well. And there are some services that I've been a part of where it turned into like a knockdown dragon. I've seen people fight <laughs> at a funeral. I've seen uh, people screaming at the casket. I've seen a lot of different stuff. But it's regardless of how you a, engage with it, it's a natural part of the grieving process. Bargaining. In this stage, individuals may attempt to make deals or bargains in an, in an effort to reverse or mitigate the loss. This often involves thoughts such as, if I had only done something differently, maybe this wouldn't have happened. I heard someone say this this week, this past week, that I thought was really good. It said, they, they said, guilt is so easy. It's easier to blame yourself than it is to contend with the fact that what has happened has happened. This often involves thoughts such as if I only had done something differently, maybe this wouldn't have happened to which most of the time the response is gonna be, don't do that to yourself. You couldn't have known. Nobody could ever know. Stage four is depression. Depression in the context of grief involves a deep sadness and a sense of hopelessness. It's a natural response to the profound changes and adjustments that come with loss. This stage may involve feelings of isolation, regret, and overwhelming sadness. And the final stage is acceptance. Acceptance does not mean happiness or that the pain of the loss is gone. Instead, it signifies a recognition of the new reality and a willingness to move forward It's about finding ways to live with the loss and incorporate it into one's life. Now, let me give this disclaimer again. It does not operate in a linear fashion. It does not work in tandem, which means that you might be on stage one today and then you might be on stage three tomorrow. And then you might go back to stage two the day after that and stay there for like a week or two, and then move into depression, a depressive spell, and then back to anger, and then you all feel acceptance uh, today, okay, you know, I'm, I'm starting to make peace with this, and then go right back into bargaining, go right back into anger. And that's why I said, be patient with yourself. Because what's going to be important to realize is that you're going to experience all of these, maybe only some of these, maybe only a few of these, But you'll experience them and you might go back and forth on different areas. And that is a natural, and I'm going to keep using that word. It's a natural part of the grieving process. I've had many people sit across from me and say, is something wrong with me? No, love, you're grieving. You're grieving and that's okay. Allow yourself the ability to feel all of the things. Okay? Okay. I got two more, two more slides for us. Now what I want to talk, to talk about is what many people are waiting for and that's how to overcome the grief. How to overcome the grief. The first thing, that, and I think is the most important part, put a star by this if you're taking notes, understand that grief is a natural, again, there it is, a necessary response to loss. Give yourself permission to feel the range of emotions that come with it. Negative emotions will always manifest themselves. So you deal with it or it will deal with you. You have to give yourself permission to be sad. Give yourself permission to be angry. Give yourself permission to be numb. Allow yourself to go through the the whole range of the feelings. The second thing is to express your feelings. Big, big, big part. Talk about your feelings with friends, family or a therapist. Sharing your thoughts can be a cathartic and healing process. What's funny is that I'll have people come into my counseling office all the time and they'll just word vomit all over me for 45 minutes. Just completely just And they'll be like, I'm so sorry, I don't even know where it came from I know where it came from It came from the fact that you have not either A, had anyone to talk to Or B, the people who are there to talk to Weren't able to be a safe place for you to talk to Or you weren't able to fully express And what happens is you've internalized All of those things, you've been keeping all of those Thoughts in your head So finally when someone gave you the room To talk about it, you took advantage of it Which is okay Which is okay And I'll point that out to people every time they do it. And I'll ask this question. When was the last time you got to say all of the things that you just said to me? And more times than not, they'll tell me I haven't. Maybe bits, maybe pieces, but not like that. And so then I'll ask them, how do they feel? And sometimes I'll get, I don't know how I feel yet. Because now I need to process that all of those words came out of my mouth. And sometimes people say, that felt good. And I'm glad I got to say that. It felt freeing to say those things. Third, seek support. Surround yourself with a supportive network of friends and family. Joining a grief support group can provide a sense of community with others who are going through similar experiences. Um, And if you're local, we have that. We have a grief group that meets here at Rosedale Weekly. Okay? Okay. Take care of your physical health. Grieving can take a toll on your physical well-being, right? Fatigue, part of the physical component. Make an effort to eat healthily. Exercise and get enough sleep to support your overall health. I'm going to tell you this, that it's going to feel like you are trying to, like, drag yourself out of it and you're, like, clawing the floor trying not to go. It's going to feel like a lot of work and your body's going to feel heavy. And you're going to feel completely unmotivated to do any of these things. But you have to do it anyway. You have to try. Establish rituals and memorials. Create rituals or memorials that honor the memory of your loved one. This could be lighting a candle, creating a scrapbook, or participating in activities that hold special meaning. For many people, not all, we lost someone dear. Someone that we love, someone that who was close to us. I'm not sure how you guys feel about Maroon 5, but Adam Levine has a song called Lost Stars. And in this song, he has a line that is my favorite song, my favorite line in any song that I've ever heard. And he said this, don't you dare let our best memories bring you sorrow. I love that. Don't you dare let our best memories bring you sorrow. And tears of joy is one thing, right? But when we look at this and we think about like all the good times that we had, all the great memories uh, that we forged uh, together, we can look at that and we can weaponize our great, the great experiences that we had with that individual against those feelings of grief, against those feelings of loss. Use them to your advantage. They're yours. Number six, adjust your expectations. Understand that holidays and special occasions may be challenging. Adjust your expectations and traditions as needed and give yourself the flexibility to prioritize self-care during these times. Don't be afraid to tell your loved ones, I can't, I can't. And I know that sounds almost counterproductive to what I said about not isolating yourself and not withdrawing, but you also have to know yourself. You also have to know how you're doing and how it affects you mentally. You might say, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend five or ten minutes and then I'm going to get out of there. But I don't. uh, But what we want to make sure that we do is that you give yourself the space and the flexibility to prioritize how it can help you in that time. Allow for grief triggers. Allow for grief triggers. I tell my clients this all the time. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. If you know your enemy, you can defeat your enemy. So if you know that you're going to that Christmas party, is that Christmas party going to elicit negative feelings for for you? If so, prepare. You got to prepare. You guys are going to engage in the sock exchange like you normally do. Is that going to trigger you? If so, prepare. You're going to go to the mall and Santa's going to be sitting in the middle of the mall with all the kids. And you lost a child, right? Are you prepared for that? It's gonna be important to prepare for that. And that doesn't mean that you'll go through it smoothly, but cognitively and neurobiologically, the brain does something when you take some time to say, okay, there's a good chance that that's going to trigger me. And people have a, do a better job of being able to navigate those spaces well when they understand that being there and doing that thing may elicit those feelings. What hits us hard is when we don't expect X, Y, and Z. And those are when those are some of the hardest. Set realistic goals. Break break down your tasks into smaller, more manageable goals. This can help prevent feeling overwhelmed and allow you to make gradual progress. I know you wanna get back to life as it was, but give yourself some space. Be patient with yourself. Create a new narrative. As you move through the grieving process, consider how you can create a new narrative for yourself. This does not mean forgetting your loved one. I'm going to say this real quick. I don't believe in moving on. Moving on is not a a great term, in my opinion. Because moving on carries the idea that we're forgetting what was behind in order to press forward to to what's coming after. Moving forward says, I'm going to take all of the things that I've experienced and take them with me into my new step. This is going to propel me forward. It's going to make me love harder. It's going to make me engage more, right? Not that I'm going to forget what it was. This does not mean forgetting your loved one, but finding a way to integrate the loss into your life in a way that allows for growth and healing. Consider professional help. If you find it challenging to cope with grief on your own, consider seeking the help of a therapist or counselor. Professional support can provide guidance and tools to navigate the grieving process. Eleven, and lastly for this section, is practice self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. I I say this at least five times a day. Be kind to yourself. You guys have no idea what I'm dealing with in my life right now. You don't. You know why? Because I'm not showing it to you. I can put on whatever kind of face that I want, and you would never know. Because Xavier can put up an armor, but every single one of us have a smaller version inside of us that does not get to wear armor. That person feels every slight, they felt every disrespectful thing, they felt every hurt, they felt all of that stuff, and that person doesn't get an armor. That person still feels all of the things that we don't display to everyone. And the only person that can support that little you is you. You're the only one. And if you're not nice to yourself, how can you expect the effects of other people to work for you? In the Psalms, David says, said this in one of the verses, um, which I thought was interesting. He says, And to paraphrase, when I sit on my bed and I meditate on these things, you know, sometimes it's not going to be the sermon. Sometimes it's not going to be the worship song. Sometimes it's not going to be the prayer. Sometimes it's not going to be the Bible reading. Sometimes it's going to be you having to sit there and meditate on the concepts, on the precepts. Yep, he says when I, I, have to find that passage when I, and put it in here when I send out the document. And I encourage myself. And I encourage myself. You have to practice self-compassion. Again, grieving is a unique and personal journey and there is no right way to do it. Allow yourself the time and space that you need. It's going to take time. Give yourself the time. Okay. What we're going to talk about lastly is we're going to talk about how to support a grieving person. Supporting a grieving person during the holidays can be challenging as these times may manifest, may intensify their sense of loss. And I want to give you some things here that's going to help you to offer good support. Now, before I spend some time kind of talking through another extensive list, um, I want to say this. If you are being the support system, You are not a therapist. And I don't say that to be condescending. I say that to give yourself a break. Because here's what happens. We overextend into someone's life trying to be a good support system. And then what happens is we get in there and it is dark in there, baby. It is dark in there. And we begin to not know what to do. We ask, how can I help you? How can I be involved? How can I be a support? And many times you'll be met with, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And what can happen is we begin to go take a step back because we don't know what else to do. And that I I share that to the supporter and the person seeking support and that the people around you, your friends and your family, they're going to try to support, but they're not therapists. So if you notice that some people are trying to, like, take a step back a bit, they may not know what to do. And so. For you as the person who might be grieving, the best thing that you can do to maximize your relationships is by telling them what they can do for you. Telling them what they could do for you. This might mean I just need you to just hold my hand. I need a hug. I need you to call and check on me a couple of times this week to make sure that I've eaten and taken a shower. I need you to, the more that information that you give them, the less dead space they have to fill the less chance for that awkward space that's created because no one knows what to do with the circumstances. So you as the person who was tried to support, you know, offer the help. But you as a person who might be grieving, you need to let them know how they can help you. So let's break it down some more and then we'll be done. The first thing is acknowledge their grief. Don't avoid the topic of the person's loss. Acknowledge their grief and let them know you're there to support them. Use the name of the person they've lost and express your sympathy. This can be a very difficult line to toe, right? Because we don't want to re-traumatize, but we don't want to act like nothing's happened either. You know what I mean? It's that awkward moment when like the elephant's in the room and we're just like, how about those ravens? <laughs> right? And we don't have to do that. We don't, we don't have to do that. We, we, be, we can not move forward like things are normal because we know that they're not. But it's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay to acknowledge it. Okay? Be a good listener. Allow the grieving person to express their feelings, memories, and concerns. Sometimes they may just need someone to listen without judgment or the need for solutions. And that's what we do as people. We naturally want to go into problem solving, problem solving, problem solving. How about you shh? Uh, um, my daughter was just gifted this book a couple days ago. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. But anyway, it's about a little, a little boy named Taylor who is building this big, giant tower of blocks, and um, a bunch of crows swoop down and knock the tower over, and the little boy is sad the entire book. And all these animals come up, a lion or a tiger, a bear, a snake, and they're all trying to just tell him. uh, The book's called The Rabbit Who Listened, The Rabbit Who Listened. Um, the, lion, the tiger comes by, and the bear comes by, and the snake comes by, and the elephant comes by. And everyone's saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. And, about, and, and, and the book kept saying, but Taylor didn't want to listen. Taylor didn't want to speak about it. He didn't want to talk about it. And at the very end, after all of the animals stampeded away because Taylor didn't want to listen to them, there's like a little rabbit that's off in the corner. And the rabbit slowly gets closer and just sits right next to the little boy. And for like three pages in the book, nothing's happening. The the little rabbit is just sitting there. And after over a while, Taylor begins to want to talk. He begins to want to express his anger. He begins to want to talk through his feelings. He begins to talk about how he wants to hide and how he wants to run. And the, the rabbit does not offer any advice. The rabbit just listens. And eventually, because the rabbit was a good listening ear for the little boy, Taylor built his tower up again. Sometimes we need to just be the rabbit and just listen. Offer practical help. Grieving individuals may find it challenging to manage daily tasks. Offer practical assistance such as helping with holiday preparations, cooking, shopping, or other errands. A lot of times people who are grieving are going to feel like a burden, so they're not going to offer it. So ask. Okay? But at the same time, if they say no, respect it right? They say no, respect it, but ask. Be flexible. Understand that person's emotions may fluctuate during the holiday season. Be flexible and patient, adapting plans as needed to accommodate their needs and comfort levels, okay? For some people, it's going to be all that they can do to get out of bed. Be a little flexible. Include them in plans. Invite the grieving person to holiday gatherings, but make it clear that they can decline without feeling the pressure. No pressure, but I want to invite you. Let them know you value their company, but respect their need for space should they decline. Create inclusive traditions. Consider adapting or creating new traditions that include a way to honor and remember the person who has passed away or gone. This can help make the holidays feel more meaningful for the grieving individual. Send a thoughtful gesture. Send a heartfelt card or a thoughtful gift or a simple message to let them know you're thinking of them. Small gestures can have a significant impact. Respect their wishes. Some grieving individuals may prefer to spend the holidays in a more low-key manner or may choose to be alone. Respect their wishes and let them know you support whatever decision that they make. Share memories. If appropriate, share your own positive memories of the person who has passed away. This can create a supportive and comforting environment. Don't you dare let our best memories bring you sorrow. That's why at our homegoing services, we do that. We take time to say, let me talk about this person and what they did and the impact that they had on on my life. And you might be shocked at how those things, knowing that the person that is grieving knows that the person who they've lost has had an impact on others can be supportive. Offer to attend supportive events. If there is a memorial service or support groups or even other events that the grieving person may find helpful, offer to attend with them for emotional support. Not uncommon for people to come into counseling and have someone hold their hand the entire time or go to a grief group and have someone do that um, as well. Or even if they don't hold their hand, but they're just like, hey, I'll wait out in the parking lot while you go in and I'll be here when you're done. Encourage self-care. Remind the grieving person to take care of themselves during the holidays. Encourage them to prioritize self-care, whether it's taking a walk, getting enough rest, or engaging in activities that they find comforting. Did you eat today? (laughs) Right? When's the last time that you got out of bed? Did you go walk the dog? Did you make it to the gym? Right? Did you knit? Did you... Work on this song. Did you, whatever it might be, uh, but offer and encourage that self-care. And lastly, avoid making assumptions. Don't assume you know how the grieving person feels or what they need. Ask open-ended questions and let them guide the conversation. Here's a big no-no. I know exactly what you're feeling. No, you don't. (laughs) Stop saying it. No, you don't. You don't know what they're feeling. I understand what you're feeling. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't understand what they're feeling at all. Why? Because you're not them. You may have had a similar experience, but not their experience, right? So sometimes we can reframe that, or I don't know what you're going through, but how can I help? Or what does this look like for you? Or how has this experience been? Or Could I share something that I've experienced that may encourage you? But don't just assume that you know how they feel or what they need based on your own circumstances. That is a big way to uh, exasperate people and overstay your welcome. (laughs) Okay? Um, So make sure that if if you're trying to connect with them emotionally, mentally, ask the questions and let them guide the conversation. Okay?